Hi everyone, welcome to Fluency, a podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of yoga and psychology, a place to consider all aspects of our humanness and tools to bring home to our own inner lives. I'm Livia Cohen Shapiro. I'm a mama, a wife, a yoga teacher, a somatic therapist, and I'm the founder of Applied Psychology for Yogis and the School for Ecstatic Unfoldment. Welcome, I'm so glad you're here. And as I've mentioned before, this is my first endeavor into a podcast. And over the next six weeks or so in this first season of Fluency, I'll be bringing you some excerpts and interviews that very much align with and reflect the teachings and experiences of my upcoming course, Emotional Literacy for Yogis. And Emotional Literacy for Yogis is a nine-month course that blends academic rigor, deep personal inquiry, and specific techniques to bring yoga and somatic psychology into a more seamless integration for yoga practitioners and teachers. It's designed for yoga practitioners and teachers alike from any style and length of practice and really all you need is a body, a computer, and a longing. So enjoy. So Olivia here with Applied Psychology for Yogis. So the topic for today is uh, skillful use of self-disclosure in yoga teaching, skillful, skillful use of self-disclosure in yoga teaching. So one of the um, questions I get asked a lot in terms of uh, the psychologically sound yoga classroom is often around how to share, what to share, when to share it, what's appropriate, right? Um, in the ethics class uh, that I teach, this comes up a lot, like um, how do we not overshare, how do we make ourselves uh, sort of available and, um, and relatable without overstepping a boundary that we have, or even overstepping a boundary that a student might have in terms of um, revealing too much about ourselves. So, um, so this, this issue of self-disclosure, I think, becomes um, actually, a, it, it's that balance of like skill and art, actually. Um, and that's how I work with it quite a bit. And I actually really like using the term self-disclosure. I think a lot of times in yoga teacher trainings, we just say like sharing um, or like the personal anecdote. And I actually think it, it's really self-disclosure, which is often we see in, used in the psychotherapy world. But like how much um, self-disclosure does the therapist provide to the client? Um, and so what I actually really want to say to start, which it sort of verges us onto another topic, maybe that'll be a, a fuller topic for another Wednesday, but let's also keep in mind that there is a difference between secrecy and privacy. And one of the things that I feel very passionately about for myself and you as a yoga teacher is that you are not only entitled to your private life, you are required to have a private life. If you make everything in your life public, there will be nothing left for you. And that would be such a shame, such a ripoff for you. Not only are you entitled to a private life, you are actually required to have a private life. The soul needs privacy to emerge, actually. 
is one of the teachings that I've received from my teacher. This, like, it, it gets revealed to us in our quiet, in our privacy, as much as it gets revealed in, in this, in sharing. So this line of privacy and secrecy is something to keep in mind as a guiding principle for what to share, when to share it, how to share it around the self-disclosure. So for me, the self-disclosure is also an issue of, or a, a, a line of privacy and secrecy. You are entitled to your private life. You are allowed to have a private life. Your private life is important. It is a requirement, I think, if you're doing soul work, to have a private life, to take private quarters. Um, and it can be such a um, sweet privilege to open the door of that private life and let someone see that. And that's so much what teaching yoga is, right? Is It's actually a very deep, intimate, private, endeavor and yet we're doing it in this communal way often which is so so just owning that uh, that kind of juxtaposition there so really understanding the privacy secrecy as a as a way to do this skillful self-disclosure privacy is like what's private what's mine secrecy is I shouldn't share it I can't share it I'll be shamed if I share it. Someone isn't letting me share it. So those are things that perk up during secrecy. I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, I'm not being allowed to. This is not allowed here. So when you feel like you need to keep a secret, then that that my like my sort of antenna go up around that. If there is something that is private that feels like it could be useful to open up to create more intimacy and safety and vulnerability between you and your students, what a gracious thing to do. What an, what an opening. It's saying, wow, this is deeply vulnerable. I'm able to share a, a nugget of this with you and you go forward and do the same in your life. It can be an invitation. But when you start asking your students to keep secrets for you, or they're asking you to keep secrets for them, or you feel like you can't share a part of yourself because it's shameful or you need to keep a secret, then that's sort of like, we need to look at that a little bit more before maybe we um, open up about that. Um, maybe there's a little, a little bit of work that needs to be said. Now, I did promise that this video is about self-disclosure, so I'll, I'll keep down that avenue and we can come back to the privacy versus secrecy. I think that this is a topic that probably needs to get aired out quite a bit. So back to the self-disclosure. In figuring out um, how to work this skillful self-disclosure, really know what's, what's the privacy, what's the secrecy piece there. And, um, and of course, maybe seeking counsel around that would, could be useful. The skillful use of self-disclosure, let me first let me explain it to you in this way. In, in some forms of psychotherapy, you, would, you might find that the therapist never shares information about themselves. Like in traditional psychoanalysis, never. The, the analyst, the clinician, doesn't ever share anything about themselves. 
the because we wouldn't want the um, any in, extra information from the therapist to kind of infiltrate what's going on for the um, for, for the client. In other forms of psychotherapy, um, and I certainly land in this style both in my clinical work, in my mentoring work, and in my teaching work, I actually use the relationship itself as the platform for which the healing occurs or the education occurs. So because of that, it automatically invites more uh, relational dynamic, more self-disclosure. So there are some styles of, like I just said, therapy that would ask that the clinician never share anything. And I think that we see some styles of yoga that are also like that, where we're asking the yoga teacher to not involve themselves at all, really, to a certain degree, so that, and the idea is good, so that really the, it's all about the student and that, and that their projective experience just is very cleanly theirs. Now, there are other styles of therapy, other styles of yoga that are more relational. Um, not that the other style is not relational, but it's relational to the degree that we are utilizing the relationship as the platform for the healing or educative process. So, and that's what that's where I come from. So, in that situation, it invites more self-disclosure. And so, here's how I kind of uh, decide that for myself. With the self-disclosure, I, I still want the 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 main impetus to be on the development of the student or of the client. So I want to share material that invites the relationship to deepen. So if sharing an anecdote from my life or an example from my life or even an opinion, dare I say an opinion, <laughs> I might share an opinion or a thought or something about myself. I do it in service of the, the emerging and ever-deepening relationship between myself and the student or the client. It is in service of them, not me. I don't need the student to take care of me. I don't need the student to check on me. I don't need the student to hear me out. What I need is to be in an intimate relational dynamic, and, and by intimate I mean like here, are we in this together for the purposes of learning the topic at hand is yoga or whatever it is. So that's why I use self-disclosure. So if I'm teaching a group of yoga teachers about I'll use this example because it came up in the ethics class um, just a bit ago. If I'm talking about like erotic countertransference and I want to normalize the process of erotic countertransference, I might choose to use, and I did, choose to use a, an anecdote that, that where I had a lot of erotic countertransference going on between myself and a student. I've had this two times in my life very strongly and I chose to share those examples with the group. Um, and it was actually the first time that I'd ever shared those examples with a group of people. 
it didn't feel um, right until then to share. It was the combination of the right group. I was mature enough and secure enough to do it. I'd also felt like there was a real teaching there that could be offered as opposed to just kind of like blah, 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 you know? So um, I chose to self-disclose that. And I think what and my, my, my intention there was to actually normalize the process of erotic countertransference because I think it's something we experience as very shameful. And so if we're talking about building a, a, an embodied ethic, working on releasing places of shame to find our way of what's true for us um, and how to navigate those that tricky material, I think that, that that's part of the game. And I think sharing that helps to normalize like, wow, you know, a lot of people, um, one of the feed, pieces of feedback I get a lot is like, wow, you hold yourself with a lot of integrity. And I take that so seriously. And, um, and it's such an honor to be seen in that way. Um, and thank you if, if you have given me that feedback before. And so I think sharing that also helped people see like, wow, here's someone I'm looking at as a teacher, looking at in integrity, and like they've struggled with this too, and here's how they resolved it in a good, clean way. So, like that. Um, the question is, is what I am about to share going to help the student towards the process of education? Is the thing I'm about to share going to help them deepen their relationship with me so that it's building trust and reciprocity and rapport? So, like in psychotherapy, we might say, is the um, clinician's use of self-disclosure helping to build rapport with the client. Because when rapport with the client goes up, when the, when the client and the therapist feel like they're in high rapport with one another, healing also comes up. So I've sort of um, taken that from the psychotherapy world and, and made it to be when rapport between the teacher and the student is high, education goes up. The capacity for education increases. It's hard to teach someone who doesn't trust you. And what can happen is then sometimes it gets all twisted and we feel as a teacher, we keep trying to prove ourselves. We want to make them trust us. We want to make them believe us. And we go off on this whole other like weird trippy thing as opposed to slowing it down step by step, building rapport with students so that more complicated material can keep coming up, whether it's a complicated pose or a complicated piece of philosophy or a complicated situation in the studio. So it's so this this ish, this these pieces of deepening of intimacy, trust, safety, all of this goes into rapport. Am I building rapport with the student? Rapport is not the student taking care of you or sitting and listening to you blab about getting a traffic ticket. Just yesterday I was, I was speaking with someone and, and, I, and I shared something about um, like the, the way that our sleep has happened, happened with our daughter Olive and, and the struggles we've had with sleep. And as I shared this struggle about our sleep from a really like, I'm at peace with the struggle, actually. Um, this, this person 
their whole, like the, the color of their face shifted. They, I watched them like drop more into their body. Their eyes teared up. They felt so seen because like being a mom is really hard and sleep deprivation is a real thing. You can even see like, it's true for me. I, I'm even starting to tear up sharing it with you. Like if you've never experienced sleep deprivation to that degree, it's really hard to understand. And to be in that space, mama to mama, I see you, I get it. Here's what happened for me too, I've been there. Here's, here's what it was two months ago. That really builds camaraderie. It builds union in the relationship. So to take this into the, into the yoga, if we wanna define or, or even use that definition of yoga as the yoking, as the union, as the coming together, Think of skillful use of self-disclosure as a way that creates some kind of union, not enmeshment. Union and enmeshment are not the same. Union and enmeshment, two different things. You can be in union and not be enmeshed. So connected, but distinct. So um, the, the skillful use of self-disclosure is is what I'm about to share going to help create a yoga? Is it going to help create a union, a connection, where we are in shared, intimate space together and healing can occur, learning can occur, transformation can occur? So as you're working on refining your skillful use of self-disclosure, to reiterate, I would just start to touch the waters of that line of secrecy, privacy, and then, and then be in this conversation within yourself of what's the, why do I want to share this? Why do I want to share this? What's my intention in sharing this? What do I hope it will accomplish? Will it deepen the relationship with the students? If the answer is yes, cool, great. If the answer is maybe, I would keep thinking about it before you share it. And if the answer is no, I would obviously not share it. Yeah. So, um, and, and also I would, I would recommend taking on this term self-disclosure because that's really what it is. Like, let's be mature about it. It's not just sharing because as the teacher, you're in the seat of power and privilege in the relationship and self-disclosure is the term for sharing that recognizes and um, uh, recognizes and kind of supports um, the fact that you're sharing in an unequal relationship. Sharing, I think, connotates a little bit more of like e equality maybe. And with the self-disclosure, what I like about it is that for the client or, or for the teacher or for the clinician, we're taught when we share, it's self-disclosure. When the student shares or the um, client that shares, that's that's what we call privileged information. When the I'll say that again. When the student or the client shares, that's what we call privileged confidential information. And when the teacher shares or the the um, leader shares or the clinician shares, that's self-disclosure. Not just like, yes, the student's self-disclosing, but that it's privileged information. So I feel like the use of self-disclosure is 
yoking us to more integrity, more maturity, and more like kind of rightful relationship in the like the weightiness of what we're doing. I think a lot of you are already doing such beautiful uses of self-disclosure. El eloquent and elegant. Yay, keep going. May, may this brief teaching um, just help you frame that. If you've ever had a, sl had a sloppy self-disclosure, it's okay. We forgive you. <laughs> you didn't mean to. But let's, let's try again. Why are you sharing it? What's the, what's the somatic sensation of the sharing? What's the goal of the sharing? Is it going to make your teaching better? A lot of empaths assume that the more they share, the closer people will feel. And that's not always true. It can be true, but it's not always true. So let's, let's know who's in the room. And sometimes just really being given space is what helps people build trust. And sometimes coming towards them with information about ourselves helps people feel close and trust. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I hope this is useful. Peace. Take care.